Well, good morning. I'm glad that I didn't have to pray that Aaron and Gail would multiply and make more children's bags because I thought we were going to run out there for a second. Um, of all days for me to get a sinus infection and have trouble talking, today's the day, but uh, we'll persevere anyway. It is so good to be with you here on this, the Lord's Day, on this Easter Sunday. Our passage of scripture today is this text from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. And the title of the sermon today is Out of Darkness, Out of Darkness. And the theme that I would like to develop today is that Easter begins in darkness. Easter begins in darkness. You know, as I sat down with this text a couple of weeks ago to try to figure out what I was going to say on this particular Easter Sunday, I'm reading through the text, but my, I keep going back to the very, very first verse of the text, the verse that talks about how Mary Magdalene arrived at the tomb in darkness. And it struck me how I've never really paid that much attention to this particular verse in the text. And so when I'm all of a sudden noticing something that I haven't really noticed before, I like to ask myself, why? Why do you keep being drawn back to this very first verse of the resurrection story? And, and, and I think that I, I've realized that I'm maybe like you, I'm, I'm guilty of rushing through the darkness to try to hurry up and get to the light. You know, we, we all know why we're here today. It's to celebrate the risen Lord. And so I, I just have sort of breezed through that whole line about showing up in darkness just so I could get to the light and the love of the risen Christ at Easter. And then I asked myself, well, why am I keep going back to this verse if I already know that I like to rush through the darkness to get to the light? And it occurred to me that maybe the reason why I'm, I'm drawn back to that first verse more and more this particular Easter is because of the increased amount of darkness that it feels like our community and our part of the world has experienced in recent weeks. I'm sure you're like me, I still can't get out of my mind that horrible event that happened at Covenant School in Nashville where three innocent children lost their lives and three courageous adults lost their lives and even the person who committed this crime was shot and killed. And I'm like, wow, that's darkness. And then I think about the uh, Black Hawk helicopters that were just out on a routine training mission in, in their goal of protecting and serving our country and our world. And, and then something goes wrong and those helicopters crash and every single person on board is killed. I'm like, wow, that's just a lot of darkness. And then I think about the tornadoes that have ravaged our entire country and that even found their way here to Tennessee. And, and I'd never heard a tornado until a few, a little over a week ago. Hillary and I could hear that tornado going over our house before it finally set down about nine miles away from our home and wiped out the entire community of Reedyville. And I thought, darkness. And then I turn on the TV a night or two ago and find out that a man lost his life here in Murfreesboro, uh, apparently over road rage. 
I mean, can you imagine losing your life because you cut somebody off or you stopped when you should have started and you started when you should have stopped? It just seems like there's so much darkness. And I bet you've got some darkness of your own that you're wrestling with that doesn't even make the headlines of the news. And I think that's why I kept coming back to this passage of Scripture that reminds us that Easter begins in darkness. Now, I'm sure that when John was telling the story, John was talking about literal darkness, as in before the sun came up, she got to the tomb kind of darkness. But make no mistake about it, that's not the only darkness that Mary Magdalene was experiencing when she showed up at the tomb that morning. She was experiencing a very different kind of darkness as well. The darkness was is that the light of her life was dead. And not only was he dead, now she shows up at the tomb on that first Easter morning and the body is missing. So it's more darkness. She thinks that not only is her Savior dead, but now somebody's played an awful trick and they've just taken his body and they've hidden it somewhere. She is absolutely surrounded in that kind of darkness even as she's surrounded in the literal darkness of arriving at the tomb before the sun has come up. And make no mistake about it, friends, this is not the first time that Mary's experienced that kind of darkness. If you look back in the Gospels to the first time that we're introduced to Mary Magdalene, it's in Luke chapter 8. And Luke tells us, when he introduces Mary Magdalene to us, is that she was possessed by seven demons. Now, Luke was a physician in the first century. I'm going to guess that our physicians today would not classify Mary Magdalene's condition in quite the same way that Luke classified it in the first century. But make no mistake about it, whatever is going on here with Mary Magdalene, it's very extreme. And I know it's extreme because seven is the biblical number of totality. It's the biblical number of completeness. If Luke, in introducing Mary Magdalene, had said she'd been surrounded by seven angels, that would have meant that she was in complete and total goodness. But Luke tells us that Mary Magdalene, when she's first introduced to us, is possessed by seven demons. That's one way Luke is trying to say she is completely and totally enveloped in evil. It is a completely hopeless situation. It is severe. It is darkness. And then Mary Magdalene has an encounter with Jesus. And when she finds this encounter with Jesus, she also finds healing and she finds hope. We're led to believe that those seven demons leave her. We're led to believe that her life is completely transformed. Luke even tells us that this woman, Mary Magdalene, after her encounter with Jesus, became a follower of Jesus. And I would like to suggest to you that Mary Magdalene may be one of the most committed followers of Jesus that we even see in the Gospels. 
Because Luke tells us that after this woman had her encounter with Jesus, that she began to financially support the ministry of Jesus. She wanted to make sure that the kind of encounter that she had had with Jesus, that other people could have with Jesus. She was willing to put her money where her mouth was. And not only was she willing to put her money where her mouth was and financially support Jesus' ministry, we learn later that on the day that Jesus breathed his last breath, hanging from the cross, guess who was there with Mary, the mother of Jesus? This woman, Mary Magdalene, who had been so transformed by her encounter with Jesus. The Gospel of John tells us that after Jesus breathed his last breath, Mary Magdalene came and brought spices to anoint his body and to prepare his body for burial. We're told in the Gospels that Mary Magdalene is there at the tomb when they place Jesus inside it and when they roll the stone over in front of the entrance. And in our scripture lesson this morning, we once again find Mary Magdalene back at the tomb. This was a committed follower of Jesus. But when she comes to the tomb that morning, not only is she expecting her Messiah, her Savior to be dead, she is shocked and surprised that the body is missing and she thinks that somebody has stolen the body of her Lord and the darkness has come back again. And I wonder in the midst of her darkness if Mary Magdalene had the thought that sometimes I have, perhaps maybe sometimes that you have, when darkness just keeps coming and coming and coming, we begin to wonder, does darkness always win out? Because Mary's experience is a lot like our experience, right? We have these seasons, these times of darkness, these times of great fear and frustration and anxiety. And, and maybe out of that darkness, we see a glimmer of light and, and we have a reason to celebrate, but it always seems like the darkness returns again. I mean, let's be honest. There are people here in this room that know exactly what I'm talking about. There are people in this room that, like me, you have these habits that you'd like to give up, and maybe for a while you're able to give them up, and then all of a sudden, for any number of reasons, that habit that you were trying to let go of and never pick up again is a habit that you find yourself doing again. You know, I, I, I struggle with... Uh, this critical inner voice in my head that, that when somebody's trying to be helpful for me and tell me how to do something, I interpret it as, oh, you think I can't do this. And, and, and I know the people are trying to help me, and, and many times I, 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 I'm okay with that, but every once in a while when I'm in a season of great darkness and somebody tries to help me, I lash out at them. Because I'm hearing that voice that says, they're not trying to be helpful, Tommy. They're trying to tell you that you don't know how to do what you're doing. I suspect that there are people here in this room today that have those same kinds of critical inner voices in your head. They can be the loudest voice in your head. They're always telling you you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're not brave enough, you're not strong enough, you're not uh, beautiful enough. 
and, and we allow the, that darkness to pervade our lives. And even when we are able to momentarily step out of it, it seems like all of those thoughts keep coming back over and over and over again. And we wonder, does the darkness always return? Does the darkness always win? I bet you it happened to Mary that morning when she went to the tomb. That darkness came flooding back into her life. And I know the same thing happens to you and to me. Well, John, the gospel writer, is the only gospel writer that tells us that Mary Magdalene wept as she came to the tomb that morning. And I am so glad that John acknowledged that woman's tears as she came. I want you to know that this word that is translated weeping in our text, it's not like gently or quietly crying. This word that's translated weeping in the Greek actually means loud lamentation. It's the kind of Loud lamentation that the parents of those three kids at Covenant School undoubtedly experienced when they found out that their child had been murdered in a Christian school. It is a loud lamentation. When she is crying here, she is wailing. She is really, really struggling. And I'm so glad that John acknowledges that. Because these tears are what is a natural response to the darkness that we see in this world. These, these tears that this woman is crying are going to help put her in touch with her pain. They're going to let her realize and know that she is hurt and that there's an area of her life where she needs healing. And as Mary weeps, we're told those two angels show up out of nowhere and they ask her, why are you crying? And then a few minutes later, we learn that Jesus presents Himself and asks her the same question, why are you crying? And I want to tell you this morning, they did not ask those questions because they didn't know the answer. They knew why this woman was crying. And they didn't ask this question, why are you crying, as a way of insinuating that you shouldn't be crying, Mary Magdalene. That's not it at all. In fact, I think quite the opposite is going on here. I think the reason why the angels and the reason why Jesus asked this woman why she was crying is because it was their way of validating her tears. It was their way of validating her darkness. It was their way to provide this woman with an opportunity to give voice to the pain and the darkness that she was experiencing. And as Mary Magdalene begins to share while she's crying, uh, Jesus is immediately caring while she's crying. And Jesus, when she's finished sharing while she's crying, calls her by name. Now, I probably don't have to remind this group of biblical scholars that have gathered here on Easter Sunday this morning that Jesus has already identified himself in the Gospels as the Good Shepherd. And Jesus has said that as the Good Shepherd, I know all of my sheep by name. 
It's another way of saying that I know everything that every one of my sheep are experiencing. I know all about the darkness and the pain and the fears and the frustrations. I know my sheep by their name and my sheep will know my voice. And I don't think it's a coincidence that as soon as the Good Shepherd identifies Mary and calls her by name, that this woman recognizes for the first time who Jesus really is. The first Easter begins in darkness. And it's Jesus meeting this woman in the midst of her darkness, meeting this woman in the midst of her fears, meeting this woman in the midst of her frustrations, where she begins to see the light and the love of Christ, the risen Christ. I go back to what I said at the beginning of the sermon this morning, that Easter begins in darkness. And so I think it's important for us to acknowledge, even as we come to celebrate the risen Lord on a beautiful and wonderful day in the life of the church like we do today, it's important to acknowledge that many, if not most, if not all of us, have shown up in this place today with some sort of darkness in our life, some sort of fear, some sort of frustration, some sort of anxiety, some sort of worry. It's important for us, like Mary Magdalene models for us in Scripture, to give voice to the loud lamentation that all of us have in our hearts. I think Jesus wanted Mary Magdalene to come to Him and to give voice to her pain to give voice to her fears, to give voice to her frustration, so that she could be reminded that the Good Shepherd knows everything about you. The Good Shepherd loves you. The Good Shepherd will call you by name, and you will hear the voice of the risen Christ. So I'm going to do something that I've never done in an Easter service before. I want to give you an opportunity to give voice to the darkness that you brought into this place today. Now I know we're packed in here like sardines. You come back next week, I promise it'll be easier to find a seat. <laughs> but in the same way that Mary Magdalene came to the tomb in darkness. I want to invite you to come to the altar with yours. I want to invite you to come forward and kneel at the altar and acknowledge before God the pain that you brought with you today. The darkness, the fears, the anxieties. And my prayer is that as you come forward and as you give voice to that darkness, that you will hear the Good Shepherd call you by name, validating what you're feeling, 
and, and giving you the peace of knowing that one of the reasons why he came, one of the reasons why he died, one of the reasons why he rose again is so that that darkness wouldn't be lasting. That it's in the midst of your darkness that you're being invited into Easter. Now, if you don't want to come this morning, I promise you God can hear your prayer just as well from that, that pew is up here at this altar. But there's something about coming and placing oneself down on their knees before the throne of God and saying, here's where I am. Here's where I need you. Here's where I want to see you. Call me by name. Give me hope that there's Easter, new life in the midst of this darkness. So I'm going to invite Adam to play. And as you feel led, if you feel led, would you come to the altar and confess your darkness before God?
My hope is whether you came here to the altar or whether you just prayed right there where you are, that today is the day that you begin to see a little light coming out of your darkness. My hope and my prayer that today is the day that you feel a little joy beginning to come out of your despair. My prayer is that today on this Easter Sunday, whatever hopelessness you brought into this place is beginning to morph and transform into hopefulness. My prayer is that as you rise from this place in the midst of your darkness, that you can take comfort and hope and assurance that Christ has arisen from the dead. That is our, uh, my hope and my prayer for you today.